0: Thank you, brother. Um, I, for one, needed that tonight, amen? I'm so very thankful and amazed by the uh, matchless, amazing love of God. The thing that I love about God's love is that uh, it's not performance-based and it's not conditional, amen? Now, that's not to say that we don't want to perform well, Certainly we want to perform well because we love Him and because He loves us. Um, But the truth is, I don't always perform like I need to. And uh, I'm thankful that God loves us regardless of who we are. And His love is not based upon what we do, but who He is. And um, sometimes that's so hard for us to fathom, I think, as human beings, because most of the time... The love you receive is conditional. I mean, as long as you meet certain conditions, people show you love. And as long as other people meet certain conditions, you show them love. I mean, that's kind of how we operate sometimes. God's not like that. He loves you, again, because of who he is, not because of who you are, because of what he's done, not because of what you do. And, uh, man, I'm thankful for that tonight. I needed that tonight, brother. Thank you so much for that song. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn your copy of the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 26. And what I want to do before we get started is just read that together, and then we'll come back and unpack this as far as we can tonight. 1 Corinthians 15, Excuse me. starting with verse number 20. But now as Christ risen from the dead, somebody say amen and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death by man, come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Then he says, But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. How many of you sometimes in the world that you live in, when you see things operate like the world operates, when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world system that's against God and against its truth, against His truth. Uh, how many of you get just get sick of that sometimes? I don't know about you, but I look around and uh, I get sick of how I see things going and the decisions and choices uh, that people in leadership sometimes make on all levels, you know, that that are, are just against uh, who God is and, and what God says. But I'm thankful there's coming a time when all that is wrong will be made right under the rule and authority of King Jesus, and you can rest assured that day is coming. Now, the mess that we find ourselves in can only be straightened out. By the Son of God and God the Son. But that time is coming according to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 24. That's the hope we have as believers. That's what we're looking forward to. And uh, man, that blesses my soul. Look down at verse number 25. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Now let me ask you something. As a believer, as a cross follower, the, the scripture teaches that Christ is in me and I am in Christ. The scripture teaches that we who are in Christ, listen, are made partakers of all he is and all he has. Now let me ask you this. If the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 25 that all his enemies will be put under his feet and we are in Christ and Christ is in us, does that not also mean all enemies will also be under our feet? How good it is to know Jesus. What a blessing it is to have the hope that we have in Christ. That's what Paul is making very clear to us right here. Then he says in verse number 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed, everybody say destroyed, is death. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject of the day death was destroyed. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that we have a blessed hope in you. Father, it's not about us, but about you. And I want to thank you for that tonight. Lord, our, uh, our salvation is not based upon what we've done, but what you've done. And I'm so very thankful for your love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that's shown to us all uh, through the cross. And Father, I'm just praying that you make your word, your truth, real to each and every person in this place within the sound of my voice, whether they're in this sanctuary or listening online. We're praying that you would have your way and have your will convict hearts where hearts need convicting. Comfort hearts where hearts need comforting, for Lord, you know exactly what we need at all times. Lord, you know what I need tonight, and I pray you give it to me. I pray that we all leave here different than when we came. Encourage uh, our hearts, strengthen us, and in your spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way and have your will, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we pray that the church is edified, that Lord Jesus, you would be glorified, and that Satan would be horrified by the truth that comes from your word this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, and for your sake, amen. So tonight what I want to do is just give you two truths about death, and then I'm going to give you three truths about the resurrection and what that means for us according to the scriptures that we've just read. First of all, I want you to know that death is a decided fact for each and every one of us. Do you realize that? I want you to know unless... We are alive when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and raptures his church. Every single one of us will one day face death. I'm going to face death. You're going to face death. We are going to face death. It is a decided fact for each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, with every tick of the clock, that's just a second closer to the time to, uh, to, to when you're going to face death than I'm going to face death. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to be real with you because we all need to know death is an enemy that we're all going to face, each and every one of us. Now, I know that a lot of people don't like talking about that. and And, and listen, before I met Jesus, and trusted in Him as my personal Savior, I sure didn't like talking about it. I used to work with a man um, who was so terrified of death, he wouldn't even go to a funeral home. He wouldn't even step foot inside one because um, he he was so terrified of dying. I understand what that's... I mean, even when his his family members and his friends passed away, he wouldn't go to their funeral because he wanted to be nowhere around anything to do with death. But folks, how do you know you can't run from it? It's coming for us all. It's going to happen. So the only real and right answer for for death is being ready for it. And don't get me wrong now. I know what it's like to be in that man's shape. I can remember uh, certain times in my life when I would literally lay in the bed at night and tremble in fear. Knowing that if I died before I awoke the next morning, I was not ready to meet the Lord. I knew I would bust hell wide open, and so I would tremble in fear at even the thought of that, but I am so very thankful that after I came to the place where I surrendered all to Jesus, when I trusted fully in him for the forgiveness of my sin, listen to me folks, the peace that passes all understanding now dwells in my soul, and I've got peace for living, and I've got peace for dying, what I'm trying to tell you is, I, I don't fear death anymore. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not wanting death or wishing for death, I love the gift of life that God has given me. I want to enjoy the abundant life that's been promised to me in Christ. I want to see my kids grow up, I want to see my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids. I want to see what God is going to do right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I want to see that. Listen, I want to spend at least 60 years with my wife, I'm praying for that. You know, I'm praying for all of those things. And I want to live life to the fullest. However, when death comes, I know I'm ready. Because I know in whom I've trusted. I'm kind of like a little boy that I heard one time uh, that was listening to his pastor preach. And his pastor was preaching about heaven and how to get there. And that we're all going to die just like what I'm telling you tonight. And, and he asked the question and there to his congregation. He said, everybody in here today that's ready to go to heaven, raise your hand. And he said, everybody raise their hand. But this one little boy sitting up on the front pew. And after the service had finished, he went over to the, to the young man and he said, Son, I was going to ask you. Everybody else raised their hand when I asked if you were ready to go to heaven except you. He said, Oh, preacher, I've already been saved. I know I've trusted in Jesus. He said, I just thought you was getting up a load for this evening. Now, again, I'm not wishing for death. I'm not wanting death. I want to live the life God has for me. But it's so very good to be ready for death and have peace about the death I know I'm going to face. It's so important that we all have that. And if you don't have that, you can. It's not a popular topic for unbelievers, but the truth is you're going to face death, and if you're going to get ready for it, you must get ready by the finished work of Jesus. Amen? And it's available for us all. So I want you to know whoever you are, whatever you've done, Whatever's going on in your life, you need to understand Jesus still saves sinners. And if he can save me, and save you. And he can give you peace that passes all understanding. He can give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he can, listen, cause you to know that you know that you're ready for death when it comes your way. So death is a decided fact for us all. But the other thing that you need to understand... Death is also a defeated foe. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that death has been conquered by the Lord Jesus Christ. Death has been overcame by the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his finished work, through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, death has been destroyed and defeated by Jesus. (laughs) You need to know that. You need to understand that. You need to know that because Jesus overcame death, we who are in Christ can also overcome death. You need to know that because Jesus conquered death, we too can be more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We need to know that death is a decided fact for everybody, but it's also been defeated through the finished work of Jesus. So now let's move on and talk about the resurrection and what all of this means to us, how this applies to our lives as believers. First of all, you need to see Jesus through his resurrection destroyed death's keeping power. Amen? Let me tell you what I mean by that. How many of you understand That before Jesus stepped from the tomb on that first Easter morning, death had kept everyone who entered the grave. No one had escaped. I've told you time and time and time again, and I'm going to keep telling you, the reason I trust in Jesus for my salvation is because he's the only one who ever conquered the grave. If Jesus can be killed on a Roman cross, well, let me back up right there. Do you know Jesus is the only person who ever decided to die? Do you know that? Do you know Jesus is the only person who willingly laid down his life? You say, wait a minute, brothers! Or what about those people that commit suicide? I mean, they decide to die. Well, not really. They decided when they were going to die. They were going to die anyway. Now, how do I know that? Well, because I know what the Bible says in Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? So everybody who is a sinner by nature and who has committed sin By action, all of of us, and that puts us all in in the same boat, we're all going to face death because death is a result of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So all of us have to face death. Like we talked about Sunday, spiritual death and physical death. Why? Because of sin. But Jesus is the only one who willingly decided to die because he's the only one who didn't have sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? How do you know Jesus was born perfect through the virgin birth? He was not born of the seed of man, therefore, he was not born into sin with a sinful nature. And since he didn't have a sinful nature, it didn't show up in his actions. For all the time that he spent upon earth, 33 and a half years, the Bible teaches, he did it without sin. See 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, what's the Bible saying? Jesus did not die for His wrongdoing because He had no wrong. He knew no sin. He didn't die for His, but for Mine. Amen. And then, when the, if you remember, when Jesus was on the cross, what did it say? The Bible says He yielded up the ghost. No man took His life from Him. Death had no uh, dominion over Him because He had never sinned. He was perfect and holy and righteous in every way, yet he chose, he made the choice to experience death so that you could truly experience life. That's the amazing good news of the gospel. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, that he tasted death for every man. Not some, not most. But for all, he took the penalty for your sin, thereby dying your death so that you could have eternal life. It's amazing. He's the only one who decided to do that willingly. And we know that he was dead when they put him in that tomb. Amen? There's some theories going around today that um, try to disprove and discredit the resurrection, they say that Jesus really didn't die on the cross. Let me tell you something. A Roman lector, his job at the crucifixion was to make sure people died. And if there's ever been an army, a military force who knew about killing people, it was the Romans. That wasn't their first crucifixion. They were professionals at what they did, and they did it well. And so they knew full well Jesus was dead when they took him off the cross. And they put him in the tomb. But we sing the song all the time. It was a tomb that he borrowed for three days. Now why did he borrow it? Because he wasn't going to need it long. He went to the grave to overcome it so that we too could overcome it. It was through His resurrection, he destroyed death's keeping power. Up to that moment, no one had ever conquered the grave. No one had ever overcame death, but Jesus did. That's why the Bible says two things about him, starting in verse number 20. First of all, he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits, what's this now, of them that slept. Now what does it mean when the Bible calls Jesus the first fruits? To know that, you've got to know a little bit about what happened throughout the Old Testament scriptures. When it came time for harvest uh, among the Jewish people, what the priest would do, he would go out into the field when the uh, first ripened grain had actually put out out the, the seed heads. And he would go out and, and pick that first fruit of the grain and bring it back to the temple. And the people would be there and there would be a great big celebration. It was called the Feast of First Fruits. And what he would do, he would stand before the people and before the Lord there in the temple. And he would give what was called a wave offering. Amen? And really what he was saying was that he was thankful that God had provided the first fruits. And then he was saying he was trusting by faith. And the people themselves that were there celebrating, they were trusting by faith that the same God who gave the first fruits was the God who would continually bring the harvest. Now, what does it mean that Jesus was the first fruits? Well, he was the first fruits. But then it means, listen to me, folks, we are the harvest. Amen? because he was the first one to overcome the grave, we too, who have trusted in Christ, will also overcome the grave. Death, its keeping power, was destroyed by the first fruit, Jesus, who was the first one to overcome death, hell, and the grave. Excuse me. that's rough I'm sorry not only does it say that Jesus was the first fruit but then it says in verse number 22 and and later on in in 1 Corinthians 15 he's called the second Adam now watch what it tells us for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive I love that verse I'm so thankful for that verse. We talked a lot about it Sunday. Um, and, And if you remember, I told you, what Adam got wrong in the garden, Jesus made right at the cross. The sin that caused separation for all mankind from God that happened, started in the garden. Listen, Jesus paid for when he went to the cross and became sin for us. Can you say amen? Me and Brother Scotty was talking about this um, after service last Sunday. Brother, can you share with me and with them what you shared with me after service? I thought that was fantastic. Something the Lord just spoke to his heart. Uh, we were talking about the tree the garden. And I just had a thought that you know, love, love and death were sort of... That uh, love, and, love and death were... were Born there um, by the use of that tree, so and Adam and Eve had to have free will to be able to truly love, because you have to choose to love to love. Yeah. So you had to give them free will to be able to do that. Well, along with that came death. So you know we were talking about it, and it's and it's almost like you know love was born with that tree, and then love was confirmed with another tree. You know, with the resurrection and the death that also had to come with the love was also defeated at the truth. Amen. I love that. So, you, you do understand what what he was saying there. I thought that was so good. That without the, 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 the will to choose, then we really can't love. See, if love is forced, it's not really love, is it? We must choose to love for it to really be. Love. I mean, and that's and so in the garden, God gave us that free will, and without the free will to choose, we couldn't choose to love God or to love one another. But then, like he said, I love that. Not only did did that begin in the garden with the tree, but it was confirmed by another tree when Jesus laid down His life for each and every one of us. Man, that's powerful. And Adam, all died. Even so, in Christ. All is made alive. He's the second Adam. What Adam got wrong, Jesus made right. So Jesus is the first fruit. Jesus is the second Adam. And then um, we need to see not only that through his resurrection, this keeping power was destroyed, but also by his rapture, listen, Death's killing power is destroyed. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 50. Watch what the Bible tells us there. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now what do you think he means when he says that there? We're not all going to face death. He says there's going to be some uh, believers who are certainly on earth when Jesus comes back to rapture his church or he'd have no need to rapture his church. So he says, we shall not all sleep, but he does say this, but we shall all be changed. Look at verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. If you believe it, say amen. (laughs) Amen. So the Bible teaches that not only did Jesus destroy death's keeping power through his resurrection, but now listen, he destroyed death's killing power. Not everybody is going to be killed by death because there's going to be some that will be raptured. And all of that happened, first of all, through the resurrection and will happen in the future through the rapture. But now this is the third thing that I want you to see about the resurrection that I love maybe more than, uh, more than any of them. It's by the reign of Jesus He's destroyed death's kingly power. You say, brother, what do you mean, kingly power? Well, let me give you a verse of scripture. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 14. Brother, if you will please put that on the screen for me. Romans 5 and the 14th verse. Nevertheless, death reigned. Everybody say reigned. Now what is really the Bible saying here? That means that death um, was was king. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death reigned. Over all men. Why? Because all men had sinned. Amen? And so death had a kingly power. It was reigning. Now I want you to put for me on the screen 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Watch what this says. 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 10. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Watch this now. Who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through what? It is through the gospel message that we become immortal, eternal, because of the supernatural work of God the Holy Spirit. You need to understand, listen to me now, Jesus has abolished death. Death no longer has power over the believer. See, death for the believer is little more than changing addresses. That's about it. Under, you need to understand that for those who place their trust in Jesus, listen to me, my last breath on earth will be followed by my first breath in heaven. And the same is true for you as well. The Bible promises that for the believer to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Now, this physical uh, form that you see before you and the physical forms that I see before me, how many of you know that's not really us? <laughs> That's not really who we are. Who we are uh, is the soul, the spirit within us. And listen, when this soul leaves this body and physically we die and this body goes back to the grave, we'll be more alive in that moment than we've ever been before. For we will be as God's people in his presence. Death has been abolished. then there's coming a time when all of us will be resurrected. Watch this. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I mean physically resurrected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse number 25. The Bible says, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, I'm not going to flip over there this evening. I'm going to allow you to do that in your own personal quiet time this week. But in Revelation chapter number 20, you're going to find the story of when death will finally um, forever be defeated. The Bible says that death and hell and, and, and the, uh, Satan himself and all his fallen angels will once and for, forevermore be thrown into the lake of fire. Amen? Death has been abolished through Christ and there's coming a time when it will be completely and totally destroyed. All of that happens because of the reign of Jesus. So we've looked tonight at the resurrection and how it destroyed death's keeping power. We looked at the rapture, how it destroyed death's killing power. Death can't even kill everybody anymore. Why? Because Jesus promised to rapture his church. And then because of the reign of Christ, because he's still on the throne, right now sitting at the right hand of God, death's kingly power has been destroyed. Death is no longer reigning. King Jesus is on the throne. Can you say amen to that? So, folks, I'm thankful tonight that I know I've been born again into his family and death no longer has dominion over me. And if that's true for you, praise the Lord. And if it's not true for you, you've not yet trusted in Christ as Savior, then what are you waiting on? Like I said before, with every second, with every tick of the clock, you're getting closer to the time when you're going to face death. Are you ready? Nobody can answer that question but you. I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. But the truth is, God knows exactly where we are with Him. Don't wait. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. hear these people who've told me time and time again as I've shared the message of the gospel with them, well, preacher, i tell you what. When I get to where I can live it, then I'll do it. Let me tell you something, folks. Nobody can live it. I can't. None of us in this flesh will be able to live out perfectly the life that God wants us to live. We can't. That's why we need His grace. That's why we need His forgiveness. That's why we need His help. And so, just like you are, God will receive you unto Himself. And He will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Amen? Trust Him. Trust Him. What are you waiting on? He's able to forgive your sin, He's able to give you new life in Him. That's the message. That's the message of the resurrection. Those who are in Christ can and will conquer the grave. Jesus said, he that believes on me shall never die. Yeah, this old body, it's going back to the dust from whence it came. But that seed that remains in me, it will live forever with the Lord. Again, not because of who I am. Not because of what I've done. Because of who he is and what he's done. If you got it, say I got it. Next week, my plan is to talk to you about our new glorified body. I've been thinking on that a while. And, uh, man, it just makes me happy thinking about it and talking about it. I cannot wait to share with you what the Lord has shared with me. And we'll try to finish up with 1 Corinthians 15 next Wednesday night. Any comments or questions?